Welcome back or welcome to the Daily Driver Podcast. The purpose here, it's pretty straightforward. In the next 10 minutes max, I'm going to share a story, an experience, perhaps an idea that I hope will help you become a little bit better racer today. I'm Luke Bogacki, and this is The Daily Driver. In our last episode, we talked about the idea of holding some ET. And when we do elect to hold, is it better to hold more or, or less? And I made the argument specific to eighth mile bracket racing, or maybe especially for eighth mile bracket racing, I made the argument for holding less because it is typically easier to be much more precise. And ultimately, I find that eighth mile bracket racing, especially today, is a game of precision. Now, full transparency, that's become my like go-to for eighth mile bracket racing. Now, I feel like I've developed and honed finish line skills, so I trust myself to change it up, and I trust myself to make obvious decisions even when I'm not holding a ton. But more often than not, my best strategy, it's, it's one of precision. That means that I'm holding a hundredth, sometimes two hundredths, oftentimes nothing at all. And my general intention is to go dead on. Now, admittedly, that's not the only way to approach this. And as racers like, well, lots of racers that you're familiar with, Jeff Sarah, Johnny Ezel, Donovan Williams, Matt Dadis, and more, have proven it's certainly not the only successful approach. Those racers and so many more have a tendency to and a reputation for holding a lot at times. They can do it because they possess a unique skill set, sure, but it's not out of ego. Like they're not doing this simply because they can. There is ultimately a method to the madness. By holding so much, these racers can often induce mistakes on behalf of their opponents. And even when they don't, like they're hard to race against. Why? Let me just give you a scenario. Let's say that I'm racing Jeff Sarah. Let's say that I'm dialed 478, I'm holding 100. I can go 477. Let's say he's dialed 455 and he's holding 600s, which if you watch, that, that sometimes that's kind of tame for Jeff Sarah, right? Let's say that he's 005 and I'm 10. Well, he's holding 600s, so he's all over me early. He's paying attention. He probably knows that I'm holding about 100. Typically, holding that 100 that gives me some options because typically, depending on how I feel on the tree and track position as we approach the finish line, I can elect to cross the stripe first if I feel like I can kill a 100th doing so, or if not, I can drop the 100th in an effort to go dead on. In this situation, Jeff's on me so early that I have no choice. Like I obviously cannot cross the finish line first. So he's, he's made that very clear, right? He's, he's made it very clear that I cannot trust the finish line first. The best thing that I can do is to be really disciplined, to try to kill that hundredth, to try to match my 478 dial. Except Jeff knows that, like he's paying attention. He knows that I'm going a hundred thunder and he's forced my hand. By showing me that I can't get there first, he's basically making me drop. And now he knows that's coming and he's likely to do a good job against it at the stripe. Does that mean that he'll win? Not necessarily. Like if I do my job, that's tough. 
He's got to do a really good job. But the point is, he's in control. He's dictating the action at the stripe. And he's forced me to be predictable. That's one advantage. The other is actually the hidden advantage, and it's bigger. Because let's flip the script. In that same matchup, that same scenario, let's say that I'm 005 on the tree, and he's 25. Again, I'm holding 100, and he's holding closer to 6. So as we progress down track, guess what? He's eating me up. He still presents the same scenario, despite my reaction time advantages. I cannot cross the finish line first. Granted, he doesn't catch me quite as early, and he's not as far ahead as he was in the first scenario, but I don't know what that's supposed to look like. Like, how often does someone hold six hundredths beside me in an eighth-mile bracket race? All I know as we approach the finish line is that he's ahead, or he's going to be ahead. So what do I do? What can I do? My options are limited. All I can really do is try to kill that 100th with discipline. Maybe I kill a 100th. Maybe I only kill 8,000s. Maybe I kill a 100th, but my car picks up 5,000s. In short, there are a lot of scenarios in which, despite my discipline, despite my best efforts, I could still break out a few thousandths of a second. And I've got no frame of reference to guard against it because he's holding so much that I can't gauge the difference in reaction times. But he can. He knows that he was late. He knows how much he's holding and how to kill it. And he's almost certainly going to drop in this instance. Hard enough, early enough, that I'll be hard-pressed to do anything about it. And if I don't kill my full hundredth, or my car picks up five thousandths, guess what? I'm likely to be under, and he's likely to be safe. On paper, it's going to look like I did an awful job at the finish line because I'm going to take 30. But in reality, I did about what I wanted to do, and my win light isn't on. It's a skill set, this skill set that's employed by a handful of, of very successful racers. It's a skill set that's learned, it's practiced. Let's be honest, it's hard to do, and quite frankly, it's easy to mess up. And typically when you mess up holding six, eight, you kind of look silly. But it's not craziness. It's not egotistical. There is a method to the madness. It's not the only way to approach competition, far from it. But that is the argument for holding more, even in this uber-competitive, super-precise world that is big-dollar bracket racing today.